WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. I hate, oh, sorry, wrong monologue. If a runner breaks the plane in possession of the ball, it's a touchdown. But a receiver has to complete the catch. But when the runner breaks the plane, the play is over. Why isn't the play over when the receiver breaks the plane in possession? The problem isn't the call on the catch by James. It's the rule because the rule makes no sense. Forget runner, forget receiver. The guy with the football is the guy with the football. What's the difference? And why would you legislate a rule that so often takes points off the board? For me, as soon as Jesse James breaks the plane while in possession, it's a touchdown. He shouldn't have to protect the ball all the way to the locker room. It's a dumb rule, and it will get changed. But that won't change what happened yesterday at Heinz Field. Hey, dumbass rule that took away the Steelers' game-winning touchdown? Guess what? You just made the list. The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Can't let a name you can trust. Call 412-367-0815. To address all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning needs. Now, the Penguins play Colorado tonight. If you're just tuning in, Patrick Hornquist has been sent home. Some kind of injury. He will not play tonight at Denver. We have Subway. Excuse me, Subway. They, they, they're no sponsor anymore. We have the Hockey Night Show at 5.30. And so we got hockey from 5.30 until 6. Mike Lang will be my guest during that time. So if you want to talk about the Steelers' loss and the way it broke down, call now. 412-333-WXDX. That's 412-333-WXDX. I rarely wish I could preempt hockey to talk football, but I wish I could today because that game yesterday is just so fascinating. And, and I, again, have to say over and over again, the rule is the problem, not the call. The call was made properly. The rule was applied correctly. The rule is the problem. And if you go back and find an instance where It was called incorrectly. Well, it was called incorrectly then, but correctly last night. Like Brandon Cooks caught a touchdown early in the season. That, if the rules applied properly, should not have caught it. That doesn't mean you F up the rule moving forward every time. I saw somebody on Twitter say, the referees know it's a dumb rule. They should ignore it. Yeah, okay. That would do wonders for their long-term employment. Give me a break. Quit whining, Pittsburgh. You lost, and it sucks, and your season's screwed. You'll never beat New England at New England in the AFC Championship game and might be lucky to get past Jacksonville in the division round now. Although, if you go back to my paper, rock, scissors theory, which was a lot more amenable when Kansas City was playing really well, although they did just beat the L.A. Chargers this past weekend. But... uh Right now, it would be New England and Kansas City in one division game, Pittsburgh and Jacksonville in the other. I don't know. Maybe you take your chances with that, although Jacksonville with a top defense in football after having spanked the Steelers earlier in the season, that would be a game Jacksonville would come into and figure they can win. 
412-333-9939 is the number to call. Let's go to Mike. Mike, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark, big fan. Love the show. Uh, I hate one of these uninformed callers that just calls in with uh, lack of information, but I just want to give you this point and let you address it. There's an article in the Post-Gazette about New England having influence in the front office of the NFL. Uh, so far, they've won three games by a guy a guy by the name of Ron, who's in the front office, who was in the Patriots organization. I'd like to hear your take on that. What, what are you talking about? Yeah, there's an article in the Post-Gazette that the Patriots have one of their own, in the NFL front office. And he where, goes, where, 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 they're cheating us. Where. Is that what the article said pretty much? Well, something like that, yeah. Where, where, where. The Patriots are better than the Steelers, and they got their number. The Steelers are the Patriots, bitch. Don't cry, I won't spell it out. But if you do cry, I will spell it out. The Steelers are the Patriots, bitch. Let's go to Kenny. Kenny, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mark. Um, this Steelers-Patriots quote-unquote rivalry has a lot of similarities to the Penguins-Capitals rivalry. It and, sure do. And I know what it's like now to be a Capitals fan because watching that game yesterday, I don't care if you lose by three over a controversial call or you lose by 50. You just know in the back of your mind – that in an important game against New England, that the Steelers are going to find a way to lose. And that's just the way it is. You've been talking about it all week. And well, I was again, watching the game yesterday out here in fabulous Las Vegas. And when the Steelers went three and out in the fourth quarter and Brady got the ball back, I turned to my friend and I said, that's it, Patriots win. Now, i got to admit, the Steelers nearly took it right back after the Patriots went uh, 77 yards in 70 seconds, and should have won the game. But you're right. The Steelers are always going to find a way to lose to New England, aren't they? And you know what, Mark? It's kind of funny. I think, you know, people are saying, well, uh, the Steelers came close. It was a close game. This bodes well for the postseason. You know, it's kind of ironic. I think uh, if the Steelers would have been blown out by 40 points, I think that would have been in a way less demoralizing. But this is, they found a new I, I way think, to I lose. think they lose to New England so often that any way they do it at this point is demoralizing. Thank you for the call. Uh, here's a tweet from Michael. The media should object since the call was wrong. Voice your opinion, and maybe the NFL finally adds clarity to the ambiguous language, and there will be no need for whining. The call wasn't wrong, Michael. The rule might be... Crap, but the call was made properly. The rule was applied correctly. And as far as me voicing my opinion so the world changes for the better, I don't know, maybe gun violence, police shooting, stuff like that should get my attention first. Or maybe I'll just have a drink. Let's go to Eric, go to Mark Madden Show. Okay, we lost Eric. Let's go to Mark, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, I, I was just uh, want to run by an idea uh, of why the Steelers didn't change up their coverage on Gronk uh, there in the second half, and it's just simply that uh, it was working in the first half. I think he only had, like, two catches for 36 yards in the first half, so they didn't think there was a problem. 
Well, uh, maybe then once he started catching every ball for big yardage, maybe they should have said it is a problem and corrected it. Well, we know that they don't change things that quick. (laughs) Well, I mean, bro, that game was winnable. You needed to do better or more against Gronk. Right. I agree. I agree. And then in that that drive, what they did was they – I think it was Hilton. They kept having Hilton uh, over by Gronk at the line. Uh, the one play on that drive where Gronk caught those three passes and they took the lead, uh, that Hilton faked like he was going to go over by Gronk and then he rushed. And I think he should have chipped him at least and slowed him down a bit. I don't know. That's easier said with Rob Gronkowski, isn't it? Or you can hang up. Okay, uh, you know what? I'm going to change the rules today. It's normally time to ask Mark anything. Ask Mark anything about the Steeler game. I'm not going to just talk about crap now. Steelers, Patriots was huge. I'm off tomorrow and Wednesday. Won't get to talk about it then. Ask me anything you want about the Steelers and Patriots. Now, 412-333-WXDX. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. That's correct. It's organized chaos. Super genius. I just diddled my lips on live radio for 30 seconds, and you all listen. VX at 105.9. It's time now to ask Mark anything but about the Steelers and Patriots game. It's brought to you by Chapino Restaurant and Cigar Bar. It's the best seafood and chop house in Pittsburgh, so be sure to check out Chapino in the Strip. Uh, some bad news just out of Steeler HQ. James Conner, the running back, needs knee surgery. It said he'll be out at least a few weeks, but uh, come on, knee surgery. Let's go to Patience. Patience, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. What up? Hey, uh, two things I noticed last night. Just a quick question. Lack of uh, in-game management with Tomlin to make personnel changes or schematic changes in the coverage of Gronk, whether it's jamming him on the line in the second half of the game, I think cost the Steelers. And that falls on Tomlin. That's why he's not a great coach. And the other thing is playing Well, let me interrupt, Patience. Don't you agree there's only so much you could do against a talent like Gronk, especially a talent that big and skilled? I thought of that, too. There is. You could jam him more at the line. They played off on him. Like, have have a linebacker jam him and have a safety play a little bit closer to the line like Miami. Well, not Miami this past year, past game. Like, they did in past games when they had success against New England. That's what they did. And the other thing is, uh, Haley, uh, even uh, Romo, the, the announcer, said at the end of the game, uh, Haley was running the ball first two downs to protect the lead, not try to win the game with three-something left on the clock in the fourth quarter. We didn't pass it hardly at all and uh, on the last two possessions there before uh, it came down to the controversial two plays to end the game. Uh, the play calling did get a bit conservative at the end, well, before that last drive. Is that what you're trying to say? Right, exactly. Yeah, they tried to sit on a lead, and that's one thing that's been ignored uh, the series before the Patriots go ahead score, the Steelers went three and out. If they get one first down there, the game's over. One first right. down and the game's over. That's a key moment, patience, that a lot of people are indeed overlooking. Let's go to Kevin. Kevin, ask Mark anything about these Steelers and Patriots. How you doing, Mark? What up? I was just curious on your, your take on this. You know, if we're going to follow the rule book to a T, then he does not control the ball and everything else. I'm pretty sure his knee was down before the ball crossed the plane of the field or the the end zone. Wouldn't he be down there at, like, the half-yard line? 
Okay, but the thing is, nobody touched him. I thought that too, then I watched the replay again. Nobody touched Jesse James. So he is still live, and so is the ball, and he did not uh, make the catch. He did not complete the catch. Oh, okay. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Big Z. Big Z, ask Mark anything. Hey now, Double M, what's up? What up? So, it was, I was honestly, it's so shocking to me. I was on the flight back from Vegas yesterday. I went out there for the Pens game, and people were acting. It was like it was like a funeral. I mean, it's seriously. Did anyone seriously believe? I mean, there's no Joe Hayden. Shazier's not playing. Gilbert's out right now, and it's the regular season. We need to beat them in the playoffs. I mean, I, I just can't believe the outcry. People well, are- yeah, but hold on. I do believe the outcry, Big Z, because I don't think there's a snowball's chance in Hades that they can win an AFC championship game at Foxborough. And I think a game against Jacksonville in the division round is going to be really tough. Well, I believe New England needs to win out to secure the home field advantage, correct? Why would they not win out? I don't know. I don't know why they didn't beat Miami either. But, you know, I mean, what I'm saying is, is that the Steelers given another chance with a healthy Hayden in there because he didn't have Shazier. We didn't have Shazier last year when we lost to him in the playoffs. That kind of changes the game a little bit. I'm sorry, but it does. And I, 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 think you're, I think you're grasping at straws, which is what, you know, Steeler fans always do. Steeler fans always wait for the Patriots to slip up, but the Steelers are who wind up slipping up. I, I got the schedule out. The Patriots yeah. uh, host the Bills and host the Jets. Do either of those sound like likely losses? The only potential loss would be the Bills. Definitely not the Jets now that McCown's out. Not that he's even good. But I don't know. I mean, I, I thought the Miami game was a definite win, even without Gronk. I thought there was no chance they would lose that game. Zero. Yeah, so what are the chances they lose that game now with, uh, with so much on the line? I mean, sometimes you lose a game you shouldn't. The Steelers certainly uh, do their share of that. But why would the Patriots now stumble when they're just not a team known for stumbling? I mean, we can say all we want about how they lost to the Dolphins and nobody saw that coming, but then they came to Pittsburgh and won. Right. I mean, obviously they had a little luck to go along with it, but I mean... The Patriots are better than the Steelers, bro. We can talk about luck and bad rules and bad calls. The Patriots are better than the Steelers. I still, I mean, the only thing that I'm saying is and maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but I still think not having Shazier, perhaps having a guy like Yeah, he, will, he won't be back in the playoffs either. Who, Hayden? Shazier won't be back for the playoffs. Oh, no, Shazier might never be back at all. I'm past that. But having Hayden out there could make a difference. I really think it could. Yep, we always talk about what might happen and what could have happened, and every time the clock hits three zeros, the Patriots are ahead, aren't they? The Steelers aren't as good as the Patriots. The Steelers are the Patriots, bitch. Hey, we talk all the time. We wallow in the glory how the Capitals and the Penguins, bitch. It's the same situation. Let's go to Mike. Mike, ask Mark anything. Good day, sir. I said good day. You uh, pretty much answered my question when you uh, talked about Patriots' question about the, uh, the getting a first down. Do you, cha- do you think changing the play calling... Uh, perhaps throwing instead of running the ball wins the game for the Steelers. Is, is, is that the approach you think they should have made? Wait, uh, when are you talking about? On, on the on the possession before the Patriots scored the game-winning touchdown? Yes, sir. I thought they were too conservative. I, th- I think you want to 
do what's necessary, even if it does mean taking a modicum of risk to get a first down. Put it this way. When the whole season was on the line, they did a fake spike, an extremely risky play, to a third-string receiver, a slot guy in quadruple coverage. They couldn't have taken much more risk than that. In fact, it would have been impossible to take any more risk trying to get a first down to wrap up the game on the prior possession. Up next, it's the Hockey Night Show, and my special guest is going to be the Hall of Famer, Mike Lang. Penguins and Avs tonight. Mike Lang up next, 105.9. It's the Exit 105.9 Hockey Night Show with your host, Mark Madden. Brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. On your home for the best Pens coverage and the best hockey talk. 105.9 The X. All the money in the world hits theaters Christmas Day, inspired by the incredibly true story surrounding the kidnapping of John Paul Getty III and his mom's desperate attempt to convince the billionaire grandfather to pay the ransom and save her son's life. It's now nominated for three Golden Globes. The movie is directed by Ridley Scott and stars Christopher Plummer, who unbelievably replaced Kevin Spacey when the movie was scheduled to open six weeks later. The film also stars Michelle Williams and Mark Wahlberg. All the money in the world hits theaters December 25th. It's the X's Hockey Night Show with your host, Mark Madden. Brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. The best hockey talk on your home of the Pens and best Pens coverage, 105.9 The X. Great to talk to Mike Lang. Mike brought to you by Coors Light. Trying to find the ad copy here. It's tough to do this in Vegas. Uh, enjoy $3 Coors Light drafts at all. Sensi's Pizzeria and bar locations during all Penguins games. Uh, Penguins are Denver tonight. They were very lucky to win 4-2 at Phoenix on Saturday. Only Mata shot the puck wide at the very end, and their goalie, Ranta, deflected it into his own net. But... Uh, that game being close was typical of the Penguins' stubbornness and problems. You're up 2-0, and Phoenix isn't getting a sniff. But for no good reason, Ian Cole tried to make a play their blue line, and he turns it over, and they score with eight seconds left in the second period to cut the deficit to 2-1. And then you're up 2-1 late in the third, and Gino makes a pass from the wall to his own slot. Mata can't handle it. Suddenly it's 2-2. Just whack it up the boards. Played the score and the situation. But a win's a win, and I bet on the Penguins, so dilly-dilly. Mario won the voting for NHL Greatest Moment. We talked about that with Mike Lang. Five goals, five ways on New Year's Eve 1988. It got it on Saturday at the outdoor game at Ottawa. Guy Lafleur presented Mario with a painting, and I bet that meant a lot to Mario because Lafleur was Mario's hero as a kid. No one is ever going to do five goals five ways again. It's so one of a kind. I was at that game. We didn't even know Mario did it when he did it. Up next, it's the Penguins Network pregame. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. The Penguins visit Denver tonight to play the Avalanche. Joining me to discuss, he is the voice of Pittsburgh hockey. We welcome the Hall of Famer, Mike Lang. Uh, Mikey, the NHL conducted voting to determine its greatest moment ever, and it was Mario Lemieux. Five goals, five ways back in 1988. I can't argue that. How about you? 
Well, I'm a little surprised, to be honest with you. I think probably the most iconic photo in the history of the game was Bobby Orr going through the air. Uh, but it tells me one thing, Mark, that the people of Pittsburgh got their uh, got their votes in <laughs> and probably was the determining factor to uh, to Mario winning that thing. I, I, everybody I've talked to in the game of hockey pretty much concedes that uh, that's, you know, something they came up with and they were born and raised with and saw. But uh, for Mario to end up uh, edging out, uh, that means that they got a good voting uh, background somewhere. And uh, let's give Pittsburgh some credit maybe for pushing them over the top. No question, Bobby Orr, of course, scored the Stanley Cup winning goal for the Bruins in overtime in 1971. And that was the uh, other finalist in the voting to Mario Lemieux's five goals, five ways. Uh, Mikey, you were there for five goals, five ways. So was I. When did you realize it was five goals, five ways? Something that had literally never been done. We had no real perspective to deal with. I did not, uh, and I will say the same thing Mario said. He didn't even realize he did it until the game was over. I'm being very honest with it. It, it just happened so quick. It's an empty netter, boom, game game done, and it takes the time to sort it all out. I wasn't even kind of aware that it could be five different ways. And uh, that's when I first got a, a grasp. But I'll give Gary Thorne a little credit. Uh, he did the game nationally, and he had a, he had a, uh, a, a you know, a, a feel for it, but he's not doing the games every game like we are. And Mario scored four or five goals, and I don't mean to say it becomes old hat. And uh, probably, I mean, if Mario's telling you he didn't know, uh, you know, I don't feel too bad because it just it's one of those moments where, all right, the game is over. We got him. You know, it's finally finished, and uh, you can you can uh, move on. But uh, when you stopped and looked and you saw the sheet, you went, dot, and you know, just added them all up. It's a very special moment, really was, and uh, you know you want to punch yourself in the head for not being aware of it, but it, it still was uh, something that that uh, you remember really the rest of your life. Well, I was glad to see you get recognized, and like you, Mike, a little surprised. And what put the cherry on top for Mario, I'm sure, when he got presented a painting to commemorate the event at the outdoor game in Ottawa Saturday, it was presented to him by Guy Lafleur, who was Mario's hero growing up. We sometimes forget that our heroes had heroes, too. And for Mario, it was Guy Lafleur. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he just he just uh, front and center. I mean, he was right there, kind of like a, a little puppy dog following uh, the mentor and uh, around. I mean, he just loved Lafleur. And uh, Lafleur kind of, you know, when it all got much better for Mario, especially playing on the pro level, uh, their friendship even increased. So it's... Uh, it's a it's a it's a great moment, and and you have to realize, you know, Mario was blessed uh, in the fact that he really grew up uh, in the era when the Canadians were the dominant team. And I, in my opinion, the games I've seen in my lifetime, uh, that was the best team ever, uh, without question, in the seventies uh, that ever played the game. At least what I've seen. And uh, he was, you know, he's privy to be able to see all that and uh, and be a part of it and follow Lafleur. And it was uh, very special for him, I'm sure. I'm going more current, Mikey. The Penguins announced today Patrick Hornquist was sent home, will not play tonight due to an injury. I hope he's not out too long because the Penguins have a tough time replacing what Patrick Hornquist can yeah, he's do. He's a very special player. There's no question about it. Uh, but let's be quite honest. I mean, the way he plays the game, night in and night out, uh, every bit of it is physicality is on the line. And so he's a little more prone to be hurt than, uh, than other players. And uh, it, it, it's a loss. I mean, uh, certainly... Yeah, there aren't a lot of players like him in the league. Let's be fair about it. 
and he makes this, uh, you know, he makes it tick around the around the uh, net area. And not only that, I mean, his inspiration on the bench and his inspiration for his fellow teammates is always there. And he'll be a guy that'll be front and center and chirping and working and and uh, trying to get things going in a game. Maybe you're a goal behind, but he's always there. And uh, I can tell you that the players love him. There's no question about it. Other players hate him, but they also would love to have him on their team. Uh, it's just the way it works. And uh, Patrick Hornquist has been a big part of the success that the Penguins have had. Penguins beat Arizona 4-2 Saturday, Mikey, but it wasn't easy. Right now, not much is very easy for the Penguins, is it? Not much easy for any team in the league, Mark. Really, be honest with you, Tampa Bay, you know, is floating right along and probably the uh, the talk of the league. But for the better part of it, every team has kind of had a, uh, a setback, if you will, after a decent streak. But uh, let's give Tampa Bay some credit. I mean, they keep continuing to, to, to win, but... You look around the league and you look at the numbers and where teams are, and yes, it's a little, you know, out of place because of all the extra points and, and everything involved. But it's a lot of teams around the 500 mark uh, that are playing. And uh, for the Penguins, I, I had a discussion with somebody this morning. I mean, it's like they got a lot of games left with the Metro Division. I mean, uh, you know, it's 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 not going to be easy. I mean, you've got a lot of teams there that are good, and so if you're going to make the playoffs, you're going to have to beat among the best. Uh, teams that there are and they'll have uh, they'll have a long journey to the second half of the season because they're going to have a lot of games against those teams uh, no mistake about any of that Mike and uh, I was glad to see Ole Mata get the game winning goal in Arizona he got a bit of a break when the goalie made a bad touch on his shot but uh, I think that's a break Mata's deserving of don't you think yeah he's played much better I think from an offensive standpoint this year and I, I think a lot of it has to do with the ailments that he's had and the battle with the uh, the cancer too, and the shoulders. Uh, having the, the shoulder operated on twice, maybe did not feel as comfortable, and maybe there was some pain uh, remaining from uh, uh, what he went through. But he seems to be loose and back where he was in the opening year that he played here, uh, when he was not afraid to kind of sneak in behind people and do things, and he was a good reader of the play. And when he does that, uh, he adds another dimension to your uh, your arsenal, and uh, you know the Penguins. Certainly can use him. I mean, uh, from that that side and what he can do. So and his passing has been real good, and I think he's played a pretty solid game uh, for the Penguins during the course of this year. But yes, I do think it's a it's a, a little better version of uh, Ole that we haven't seen, and I think part of it has to do with his uh, physical condition and how he mentally has been able to overcome the the, the problems that he's had and become uh, the player that he that he wants to be. Another big moment was Carter Ronnie with the shorthanded goal. I'd say also very well deserve it, and uh, that's a big pickup when that guy gets that goal, isn't it? Yeah, it's a big pickup, and it's uh, part of the. And uh, I'm taking anything away from it, but it's part of the problems the Penguins have had. They haven't gotten much production out of the, out of that uh, fourth line, and uh, you know, I mean, that's Rowney's first of the year or second? Is it? Uh, uh, I'm not sure. It might be a second goal, and uh, Reeves. It, it ain't very many, Mike. No, and, and Ryan Reeves has one, and Kuhnhackel has only one goal. So that's not, you know, we're getting to the halfway point here, and that's all you got as far as goals are concerned uh, from your fourth line. But it is a little different, and I think the Penguins would love to, to roll four lines. Uh, but it kind of presents a different uh, setup for, for Mike Sullivan because, one, the team has had to play a lot from behind, so that shortens the bench, and you've got to have people trying to score goals. Uh, and secondly, they haven't gotten that... Uh, that goal production, and so it kind of limits 
you know what they can do and 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 I think if they can get into that mojo uh uh, situation where they they're all rolling and all playing and everybody's going. That's when the Penguins are at their very best, and hopefully that's going to happen before this season's all done. Uh, I, I think if you look back to the last two years, they've had stumbled at times, and they've come back and they've they become that cohesive unit. And I'm seeing more and more signs of that right now. Uh, a lot of plus signs that are going for this team. Uh, their five on five play has improved. Their goal scoring's improved, and that that needs to be better. Uh, they're getting around the three goal mark per game now. Their defense has come down. Their penalty killings improved. So there's a lot of good things that have happened here. Uh, they're not winning as much as they would like. They've been in a lot of close games. But I think somewhere along the line, they'll stretch a, a good string of games together here and get themselves back in contention. We're talking to Mike Lang, the Hall of Famer. Mike brought to you by Coors Light. Uh, Mike, uh, the lines have been shuffled quite a bit lately. And I know that more than ever, Line combinations are very fluid in the National Hockey League. What are the pros and cons of all the mixing and matching? I think for the Penguins, it's a plus. Uh, you know, I, I don't. Uh, if you know Mike Sullivan, you've watched him for two years. You watched him do the same thing over the course of his uh, coaching career here. Uh, he's got a good read on his players, Mark. Uh, we've talked about that many times, and so I have no problems at all. And one of the things that the Penguins have that a lot of eh, I don't want to say a lot of teams don't have, but uh, they've got versatile players. They've got players that can play every position, and that's pretty special. Uh, with the exception of Patrick Hornquist, who I think is a right winger. <laughs> Be honest with you. But, uh, I mean, they've got a lot of guys that can play everywhere, and so that, that's not a, you know, they're professionals. They're the best of the game. And, and so I don't think that presents a problem for them. It's trying to find some combinations that are going to get them into that, 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 that flow that we talk about uh, to make them successful. Uh the Penguins seem a bit fatigued. They come out flat certain nights, Mikey, and that's understandable after the last two seasons with 213 games played in those two seasons. How do you fix that? Does it just come and hopefully go, or is there something they can do in that regard? Well, I think you'd have to ask a lot of other teams. I mean, I think, look, you know, the Edmonton Oilers, ask the Chicago Blackhawks, ask, ask other people that, you know, they're they're going through somewhat of the same thing. Uh, you know, the thing that we don't, appreciate enough, Mark, is that the other teams, I know this sounds terrible, folks, they get better. They get better. That's what the draft is all about. And so they're getting better. And so and you lose some people because of, of the cap situation, and it changes. So, uh, you know, it, it, it hopefully is going to be to the Penguins' advantage to, to be, have enough there to be able to compete again for the Stanley Cup. But I'm not surprised. Uh, I mean, you would hope that it would go that way. If you were the bottom rung of the league for five or seven years and nothing was going your way, you'd hope that the draft could make you a better hockey club. And I think that's the way it works in the NHL. So the Penguins still have enough in the, in the tank, I think, to be able to compete and, and uh, win another cup. But it's not as easy maybe as it was. And, uh, you know, maybe some young kids out of uh, Wilkesbury are going to make their way up here before it's all done. And uh, you know, strut their stuff and, and make it uh, even more impressive in what they can do. So it's 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 a course of a year. It takes time, and uh, you know, you've also got the possibility of Jimmy, if he wanted to make any moves, he could possibly do that. Rutherford. So there's a lot of factors that still are to be seen. I think before this year is all done. Now, before the win in Arizona, the Penguins played at Las Vegas and against Mark Andre Fleury. The Flower played real well. In fact. Uh, maybe made the difference in that game, played a little too well, but it's great to see him really 
uh, getting a, a, a foothold back as the starting goalie in Vegas, isn't it? No, oh, he's just a special, special guy. And, you know, there are a lot of laughs, I'm sure, believe it or not. They wanted to beat him, and he wanted to beat them And uh, after the game. I mean, he was so tired, Mark, that he had to take this last game off yesterday. I'm just teasing, but he's, <laughs> he, he wore himself out against the Penguins. You know, you can't do that. But it is, it's, it's a moment. You know, I, I wish I had a uh, – so many people went out to see Mark andre Fleury play in Vegas. That's amazing, really. And, and that's, the, that's the, the strength of his personality and what he has and what he gave Pittsburgh that people appreciate. And I, I just I think that's really fantastic. Uh, it doesn't go unnoticed, folks. Trust me. Uh, your loyalty and, and what you do is for this uh, hockey club – and when he comes here, oh, my goodness, can you imagine uh, the love fest we're going to have when he comes back to the to the PBG Paints Arena? It'll be beautiful. They'll have that kiss cam going 24-7. <laughs> 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 oh, I love it. Uh, Mikey, the Penguins visit Denver tonight, as mentioned, and the Avs are rebuilding a bit, but they just beat the Penguins last week, and they still got Nathan McKinnon. Uh, it's going to be a pretty quick rebuilding process, isn't it? When you have Nathan McKinnon, no, he's a dynamite, dynamic player. He's uh, he is so fun to watch, and uh, he does a lot of things that a lot of players in this league can't do. Uh, they've got some really top-rate players uh, on that squad, so uh, they'll they'll you know they they were way down against Tampa in their last game and came back and almost tied the game uh, against them, and uh, they you know they won a game in Washington after they left us uh, and uh, and won here, so. Uh, it's it's going to be uh, it's it, it'll be interesting to me to see how the Penguins play tonight uh, against Colorado and uh, I think Colorado actually might be a better road team uh, mark than they are at home so let's see if that's uh, a good uh, case for the Penguins and I thought the Penguins played well enough to win uh, these games and I, I'm, they're more than capable of winning tonight too. Uh, by the way, Mikey Carter Rowney had his second goal. Uh, the other night in Phoenix, and let's see here. The uh, the uh, Colorado team is uh, eight nine and one on the road. Pretty respectable. Not quite as good as at home, but they're they're fifteen fifteen and two. They're obviously a solid hockey team. Yeah, they are. I mean, they they've got they look at the numbers. I mean, you'll see a lot of teams like that. So, there would you consider them a surprise? I think I would. Everybody had them destined to be, uh, you know, to win ten games for the year. So uh, that's not the case. They're a better team than that. I'd consider them a bit of a surprise uh, regarding how they've played since the Duchesne trade. Uh, I think that was seen as a sign of rebuilding, not necessarily tanking the season, but I think they've done relatively well since then. They have, but who's done even better? And that's Nashville. Kyle Turris has really been a big part of that team. He's a terrific player. I'm always surprised that Ottawa moved him, and it changed the whole complexion of that team uh, in Ottawa. And right now, they are you know they're looking out the the back door trying to get into the playoff picture, but Nashville is smoking right now. I mean, they built this, they added a strain, another guy at center, you know, like him. Oh my goodness. That's uh that's, that's a big time move there uh, for Nashville. And they're probably going to be one of the teams that, you know, uh, favored again to get in the Stanley cup finals and maybe win the cup. And finally, Mike, uh, the Penguins are right on the bubble when it comes to playoff positioning, which is no big deal in mid-December, but when will that start to concern you if they can't put a bit of a run together and uh, stake out at least a bit of a cushion? With this team, I, uh, you know, uh, they, they are, are capable, Mark. Of, you know, they've had so many years where they've 
you know, you go back to just after 2010, but I mean, they've, they've had so many four and five game winning streaks. Uh, they haven't really pieced that together this year. I think four is their tops. Uh, and I expect them to do that. I really do. I don't know if it'll be one, two, or, or possibly three. But when you can get that, that going is when you're, you're going to get into the playoffs. And I think the Penguins are more than capable of doing that. And, uh, you know, we've, we still have a lot of hockey left. So, uh, you know, the year they won the cup in 92, they were not, uh, uh, anybody to write home about. I mean, they were, they were struggling and they made a couple of deals and, uh, they found themselves in February and March and they were on their way. So uh, it very well could be the same scenario here. Uh, for the Penguins, but it's a hard, hard battle to finish 82 games and uh, come out, you know, first in your division or uh, and all the uh, hoopla that goes around it. Um, you know, they they're trying to pace themselves and they want to be better. They don't want to lose. I mean, that's that's uh, that's the thing that everybody if they if they wanted to lose, they wouldn't even show up. But uh, they'll they'll be there and they'll play some pretty good hockey for everybody before it's all done. Mikey, great stuff. I appreciate the insight. We'll see you at the rink later this week. You got it. See you, at the, see you there, Mark. That's the great Mike Lang. Penguins at Denver tonight. Hear all the action right here on the X. Penguins need to get a second win in a row. We're not, like Mike said, we're not at rug-cutting time just yet, but uh, it'll be nice to get a couple wins in a row. The Hockey Night Show continues. It's brought to you by the good people at Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Call the three wise men for all your legal needs. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9.